Leader Talks NI. Insights from Northern Ireland business leaders. Brought to you by Corvus People. Actually went to the level of calculating the amount of brass and looking at a raw material brass price. Uh, so that's some of the irrational thoughts that, that come up whenever you're, you're thinking about starting a business. Thankfully, um, just continued to grow far beyond where I ever thought it was going to at that time. They've given us autonomy, they've given us support, they've given us access to resources and information and skills of, of more than doubled um, size in revenue and people since the acquisition. It's like taking your house apart brick by brick, cleaning the brick and then rebuilding your house again. It's that, that level of detail. My name is Michelle Cairns and I'm here today as part of my leadership podcast with Stephen Alloway, who is the Managing Director of Aquala. And to put it in some kind of context for this particular podcast, it's definitely about leadership, but it's really about leadership through an acquisition, as Stephen um, actually managed to sell his business during COVID. So while we were all sort of doing our gardens, Stephen obviously was very busy with other things on his mind. So I'm going to introduce Stephen and I'm going to ask you to tell us a little bit about yourself and your journey to this point, Stephen. Hello, Michelle. I am a salesperson at heart uh, from, a, from a working background. I work within the bathroom industry uh, for a company who struggled a little bit through the recession in the late 2000s and I got to a point where uh, my future or, or, or the, the future of that company didn't look particularly stable and through a, a deep-seated uh, desire to always start a business and uh, anxiety of not knowing whether I was going to get paid the following month or not, decided to start Aquala, which involved me borrowing some money from family, uh, my savings, a um, bit of a mortgage on my house and ordering $70,000 worth of bathroom taps that arrived the week before Christmas in 2011 and the bathroom industry closes for Christmas. So spent the two weeks thinking what am I going to do with all of these taps and actually went to the level of calculating the amount of brass and looking at a raw material brass price so that if I had to scrap metal all of these products, how long I could feed my family for. Uh, so that's some of the irrational thoughts that, that come up whenever you're, you're thinking about starting a business. Um, and thankfully, um, through the support of the people in the bathroom industry in Northern Ireland, uh, January in 2012, our first trading month proved to be exceptionally busy and uh, it started from there. At that time, it was me and my mum who had left the Bank of Ireland. I asked my mum to come in and do some administration work and I'll go out and do the sales. And the reality was my mum ended up doing the administration work, packing the boxes, the deliveries, the everything that needed to be done in the background. Um, and it started from there and thankfully um, just continued to grow far beyond where I ever thought it was going to at that time. And when you founded the business, what was important to you? What did you want to achieve beyond P&Ls and profit and loss and all those great things? What did you want? What was important to you? Um, I think at that time it was it was security for, for my family, first and foremost. Um, I 
really wanted to make sure I could pay the mortgage from month to month. And after a short period of time and the business was established and starting to do well, it was to have an environment that I enjoyed working in and that anybody else who came to work along with me in the business also enjoyed day to day what we were doing as a, as a company. And it's interesting you say that because one of the things about your company that really stands out is the culture. When you walked into your business, no longer as an owner of that business, what changed? I think this was part of the reason why we opted to sell and referencing the values and the alignment in what our long-term future was for the business. Since the acquisition, which is two and a half years ago now, we haven't done really anything different to what we would have done if we still owned the business. And for me, that shows the value in having the right partner. They have, they have given us autonomy, they've given us support, they've given us access to resources and information and skills within the parent company uh, to really continue with the journey that we were on. And that was something that we were fairly confident before acquisition, uh, but you never really know. And now looking back, they have delivered on everything as a group that we hoped that they would. So in short, not a whole lot has changed. Um, I think the people in the business still feel like it's their business, like they always have. And our company and people within the company are better off for the acquisition. We have the parent company, we have some new values, we have support and infrastructure that we haven't had before. Um, and mostly as a result from the people's work within the business but also support from the group we have more than doubled um size in revenue and people since the acquisition which is a testament to um it being successful and even during that acquisition period even though it was quite short two months what was the most surprising thing or what was the most difficult piece of that that you thought, God, this should be easy, but it really isn't. Yeah, I, I think even with the amount of preparation that we had done in advance, um, I was still maybe overwhelmed is the wrong word, maybe, maybe surprised by the amount of information that was requested through the due diligence process. So there was three different components to it. There was the financial due diligence, tax due diligence and legal due diligence. And initially on the finance side of the due diligence, they set up a thing called a data room. It, it sounds very glorified, but in actual fact, it's a, a shared uh, cloud folder. And the first uh, email that we got saying, can you access the data room and have a look at the, the files that we require for the financial side had 86 requests for data and information. And we had similar amounts for the other sections of that, but it wasn't once you supplied that one of the 86 bits of information that's a tick and it's gone. There would generally be a lot of follow-up to that as well. So the sheer volume of information that was required through due diligence, I would make an analogy like it's like taking your house apart brick by brick, cleaning the brick and then rebuilding your house again. It's that, that level of detail. 
which is it's it's great and i would really encourage anybody who is running a business to look at their own business and say if we were going to sell this or somebody was going to come in and look at the detail of this business have we got everything right have we got any everything in place and have we got everything that we could possibly have in terms of data and process that in itself with hindsight would have helped me run the business better if I had that mindset before the acquisition uh, and, and I do think we were fairly well placed uh, but again just to reference some of the team it was a confidential process so there was three people in the business that knew this was going on before the 26th of uh, February whenever we announced the, the the sale of the business and one of them was our accounts manager Gillian and Gillian would have been sending emails at midnight regularly. She would have been working weekends and without someone in the business who was as committed uh, as Gillian as is to the business, it would have been very difficult to certainly complete in that window, um, but also it makes the job easier. And I think that that relays to running a business. If you've, if you've good committed people in the business, it's a whole different experience to uh, trying to do everything yourself, which which is impossible. And as you said, only three people in the business knew about the acquisition. So when you came in on the 1st of March, or whatever day that was, what strategy did you use to ensure that you kept the culture, that you looked after the people that are obviously very important to you? How did that manifest itself? How did you, how did you go from the 1st of March yeah, I, I can remember it like it's yesterday where um, on the day of completion, we gathered all of the team together um, and they knew something was going on because there was the last minute legal wranglings and we expected to make the announcement at 10 o'clock in the morning and it dragged out or it felt like it dragged out to around four o'clock in the afternoon. And we gathered the team and uh, delivered the news that we had new owners and the owners were a Swedish-based listed company that I and, and a couple of colleagues had been through a due diligence process. I had outlined my reasons behind why I thought the company and the team would be better off for the acquisition in the medium to long term. And yeah, there was a few, there was a few surprised faces um, and there was a few questions, but the overarching message from everybody, which was very humbling for me, was if you feel it's right for us, we're happy with that. And that showed the trust that the team had in me. And um, it also made me feel, you know, it, it made me feel great. And I, uh, it, it's, it's a two-way street whenever we talked earlier about the team and people investing their time and effort into the business and I think people have recognized that I've invested in, in them where possible over that time of the journey but to have that level of trust uh, from people and, and confidence from people um, was humbling but it's it's manifested in a way that it's proved to be right which is what brings me most contentment of all. From a leadership standpoint has your leadership style changed in any way post-acquisition? 
Yeah, I would say I've I've talked about the company and the people in the company benefiting from the acquisition, and I would say I've also benefited from the acquisition. Um, I've over the last two and a half years got to work very closely with our group chief executive, uh, Frederick Scarp, who is based in Mora in Sweden. Um, he's a man in his mid forties. Uh, he's he's very young to be running a, a listed company, and he's one of the most balanced, logical, decent people that I've ever met. And his approach to how he manages me is something that I really appreciate and respect. And I think about his his management of me. I I, I didn't have any line manager or. Not that I feel like I do now, um, but for 12 years, the buck stopped with me. And now I have someone that I can lean on a little bit and how he engages with me and how he manages me and the working relationship that we have makes me think about how people view their relationship with me um, and how I am as, as a line manager to them. And I, I think I've learned a lot from that uh, working relationship that I have with my uh, group chief executive now about how to, how to be balanced, how to be level-headed, how to be, how to be a bit more calm under pressure and not as, as reactive to things. And it's something that I've really enjoyed over the last two and a half years. What would be your advice to yourself 12 years ago? If you could look back, what is the best piece of advice you could give yourself? I would say the challenges that come in the early days of running any business at the time can be overwhelming. And we have had some, or had some in the past situations where I felt like it was doomsday and uh, something went wrong in the business and I felt this is it. How, how are we gonna come back from this? And you get over that and a month later you have your next doomsday and you think, how are we gonna get over this? And in time, you build up experience and you realize that these things aren't as catastrophic as you think at that particular time. And if I could go back and say to myself, don't worry as much, don't lose sleep over this, be logical, be calm, be level-headed rather than get emotional and painting the worst case scenario in your head every time. Just take a breath, take a little bit of time, be logical and, and think things through. I think I probably would have had twice the amount of sleep that I had in, in the early days of running the business. <laughs> On that note, thank you very much, Stephen Olway. Thank you for listening to Leader Talks NI. Don't forget to subscribe to stay up to date with our latest episodes. Corvus People. Recruit, develop, retain.